Welcome. This is the Life Habits Podcast Series, and my name is Carl Vradenberg. This is the series that helps you to learn new habits to optimize your life in order to stay sane in this crazy world. This is episode number 21, and the topic for today is simplifying life. Many people find that over the days and weeks and months and years of your life, your life just tends to get more and more complicated. And that's the case until you really step back and in an analytical fashion like we're going to do today, understand what makes it complicated and apply a number of specific ideas for how to make it less complicated and as a result more enjoyable and stress-free. Let's start, as we usually do, with a series of famous quotes from people who have thought a bunch about this topic and who have an interesting way to think about it and to articulate it in particular ways. So let's start off with the first one by Albert Einstein, who says, things should be made as simple as possible, but not any simpler. Henry Ford says, nothing is particularly hard if you divide it into smaller jobs. Leonardo da Vinci says, simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. Richard Bach says, the simplest things are often the truest. Frederick Chopin says, simplicity is the final achievement. Frank Lloyd Wright says, think simple as my old master used to say, meaning reduce the whole of its parts into the simplest terms, getting back to first principles. Finally, Hans Hoffman says the ability to simplify means to eliminate the unnecessary so that the necessary may speak. So, some rather interesting and insightful ideas from some really good thinkers and orators on this topic. Now, I wanted to make the point that I did touch on a related idea in an episode of this podcast series some number of episodes ago, and the topic was time management. And time management, of course, is also related to simplifying your life. So I'd suggest that uh, if you haven't done so to listen to that episode, and even if you have listened to it before, you might want to listen to it again to give you additional ideas for simplifying your life. But today's session, then, we'll go through a different set of ideas that are really all fundamentally about how to simplify your life in a more comprehensive fashion. Number one of the top 10 list is to take stock of what you do in a week. Get yourself a notepad. If you use a computer a lot, you might want to just open a document on your, uh, in your computer that you're going to be using to make note of everything you do how you go about doing that activity, meaning how urgent it is, how uh, you're approaching that task with regard to, is it a matter of the activity you're doing, it is an interruption, or was it a, really a planned activity? What, what are your, your uh, subjective uh, reactions and contexts around the particular event? So make some notes about the tasks that you're carrying out during an entire week. So you want to take stock, you want to understand before you start to really 
try to change anything, you really should be trying to understand where things are at first. I generally find when we talk about any number of topics, and you're starting to see that theme, I think, in these podcast episodes, that it often requires that you first understand what the problem really is before you actually start to tackle a solution to it. So this topic is no different. In fact, it's probably the most important to really fundamentally understand what you're doing today and what your reactions to it are. Then I'm going to suggest number two is to start to prioritize, to take essentially the list that you created of the activities that you carried out during an entire week. You've summarized those into a list and you now want to prioritize them in terms of the things that are important to you in life. And here again, we had a podcast episode. In fact, it was the first one in this whole series that talked about getting a handle on what kinds of things are most important to you in your life and what are the things that you you may recall our discussion regarding that, that if you were on your deathbed and you thought back to what you'd be remembered for and what your regrets might be and what things that you were particularly happy about that you did, use the results of that exercise that you did some time ago to really determine what the priorities are for you in your life and to apply that prioritization scheme to the activities you've now summarized that you carry out in a typical week. So once you have that list and you've now prioritized that list based on what is most important to you, number three is less is more. Consider dropping the bottom items on the list. Now this is one of these cases where you're going to want to be careful that certain things you can't stop doing. But you'll notice that there are others that you really can drop or you can do something else with other than you doing them because they're not fundamental to the ways that you think about the important things in your life and you can then try to deal with removing those from your list. One of the objectives for simplifying life is to eliminate, to make things less complicated by doing fewer things. Number four is to delegate. It's obviously related to number three. If you're going to be taking certain items off your list, don't try to do it all yourself. Try to delegate some of the activities that you may have right now. And you may want to delegate them if it's a work situation to, if you're a manager, you can delegate them to your staff. You'll notice a really nice change in a lot of people once you trust them with taking on some of the responsibilities that you currently have. If you give them the responsibilities and, and trust them to carry out particular activities, uh, you'll notice that, uh, number one, you won't be having to spend all your time doing that anymore, number one. But number two, you'll also find that really interesting transformation that this is a good way for you to help other people grow and for them to get a better appreciation for what all gets done, as well as what kinds of things they can develop in their skills for carrying on the kinds of activities that you've been 
doing all along thus far. So if you're in a home situation rather than a work one, delegation still works as well. A lot of the time we think that we need to be carrying out everything that we carry out today, whether it's all the chores around the house or whether it's keeping track of everything. You'll notice that it works quite well if you really start to think through it of sharing some of that activity and those kinds of tasks either between spouses or partners, or also, very importantly, with children of various ages. Of course, you have to map out what is appropriate to, you know, what kind of age and, you know, characteristics of the child. But in general, again, delegation to your children is an excellent way for them to learn responsibility, to learn some of these other activities. And you can combine these with their you know, allowance and that to get them, you know, some reward for doing a job effectively. And I would also suggest actually giving the payment, however much it is, based on the quality of the work too. So here's a case where you don't need to be doing everything. You look at that list that you've created, you've identified which things are on the bottom of that list that you really don't think are important for you to carry out based on what's important to you in life. But what you want to do here is delegate. And like I say, whether a work or a home situation, delegation works in two ways. It removes the activity from you having to do it, number one. And number two, it also empowers and tends to be a very positive win-win with getting other people to take on some of those roles. Number five is to set limits. And to use a quote that's uh, used in a famous book, or a uh, very popular book on this topic, don't sweat the small stuff. Realize that some of the time, good enough is good enough. And we often tend to drive for perfection in everything we do. And we use the same filter of perfection, of wanting to do something really, really well, regardless of if, if it's the most important thing to what we consider we are as people or whether it's the activity that's at the bottom of your list of the things that you're still keeping. Often we apply the same criterion or set the same limits for very, very important activities and not so important activities. If you take the approach that says, you know, this particular thing in my life, I've got to make sure it's really, really good. It's fundamental to my career or whatever. Fine take that approach to that particular activity. On the other hand, there are certain activities that you got to realize that if you think that a particular activity is worth only X amount of effort, it may be, you know, half an hour, that you'll only spend half an hour on that, that activity, fine. Do what you can in half an hour, and then that is going to be good enough for that particular activity. You might find yourself having some difficult time with that the first few times you do it. You're going to find that, uh, oh, I sure, sure would have liked to spend another couple of hours on that and to make it even better. But you'll realize over time that certain things that are not quite as important and you've done them just good enough actually does work. And you got yourself a whole lot more time back. 
I find that earlier on in my career, I would spend all kinds of time on all kinds of activities that I needed to carry out. And I was working all hours. I find now that similar types of things, now granted there's a confound here and that there's lots more experience that I have now, but there are instances where I now can carry out an activity and make sure that I've actually satisfied the needs of it and everybody's very pleased with it, even though I didn't spend tons and tons of hours on it. And same thing with situations in, at home as well, where you spend time and focus and energy on the most important things to you, and you still carry out and, and make sure you've completed the things that are not so important, but they can be done at a lower level of intensity, a lower level of quality, if you will, based on how much effort and time you're going to give that. So I'm not, I'm not arguing for mediocrity. I'm not suggesting that you step back and no longer have a focus on overall quality. I'm not suggesting that at all. All I'm suggesting is that you prioritize that list of activities and that you spend time and effort and mental energy and passion on the things that are most important to you, but of the things that you're still keeping on your list but are close to the bottom of the list still, that you still carry those out because they're things you've deemed to be necessary for you to do, but not necessarily expend the same kind of effort and focus and passion on them, and very importantly, time as well. Number six is to block time for yourself and for specific activities weekly. So here's an instance where, you know, related to the last item that I just talked about, time box what you'll do on particular activities. That's part of it in terms of what I just talked about, but also block time for yourself to do things that you yourself really enjoy. If you don't block time for those things, you'll find that you never get around to them. Everything always takes your attention and your time. And at the end of a week or at the end of a month or an end of a year, or at the end of a lifetime, you realize, ah, I didn't actually take very much time for myself. I didn't actually get a chance to really spend some time on my hobbies or on working out or spending time with friends. There are things that we really require as human beings and we need to make sure that we get around to those things. And if you don't block time for them and you don't plan to spend time on, on them, you often find that you don't. And all the other things in your life will encroach on that time and will pull your attention away from uh, these other activities that are so important for you to really enjoy your life. Number seven is just say no. Practice not getting into more commitments. We're often in a situation where people are asking or, you know, could you volunteer for this? Look around the room at work and somebody saying, you know, we need to have somebody do this piece of work. Or, you know, something just looks really interesting and you yeah, might actually want to, you know, spend some time on it because it looks kind of interesting. What you really have to do in many of these cases is first resist 
saying yes that you'll do it just sit back for a moment bite your tongue you know uh, squeeze your finger do whatever to distract yourself sufficiently to say that you won't be the first in there saying yeah I'll take that on yep yep no problem whether it's the parent teacher association that you're at the meeting and somebody says ah we need to have a volunteer for XYZ activity tend people tend to uh, volunteer for those things people that are find themselves very very busy and are have a very complicated life often are people that are really into lots of things and are really wanting to do a lot and contribute a lot and it's often the trend too that they just get themselves into too many things they volunteer for too many things so if you find that you're that kind of a person make some space between the stimulus and response as we talked about the during the anger management uh, episode a number of episodes ago where you really want to realize that we as human beings have the ability to delay responding and in cases like this you want to hear the idea that the person has suggested and you want to analyze whether you're going to agree to a particular request but now you want to spend some time to actually think about it before rapidly saying yes yes I'll do that and if you do that you'll find yourself over time not getting into as many things so it's one thing as I said off the first number of items for today's uh, top 10 list a lot of those were about sort of prioritizing and then getting yourself out of certain activities that may be on the bottom of your priority list one of the best ways to not get complicated is not to even get those items on the list in the first place and again I'm not here saying that you shouldn't be volunteering for things you shouldn't be you know at work uh, being eager to work on particular things that are interesting to you and to your company and as well as in situations like the Parent Teacher Association as I mentioned a few minutes ago I'm not saying that at all all I'm saying is that you need to really effectively decide which one of these things you want to do and what things you want to pass by and you want to resist the temptation or the social pressure to agree to carry out activities without an effective analysis saying do I really have the time and while this is a worthwhile thing to do maybe this time I should let somebody else volunteer or carry this one out and maybe I'll even help out a bit you know periodically but I don't want to take the lead on it let's say that's the kind of approach that I'd suggest that you take so don't get yourself into activities first of all so then you would need to get out of them again later think really hard about first saying yes and so think of no response first and consider no a lot of the time number eight is to clear clutter especially in your workspace and also you just need to you know clear your head you need to get rid of clutter whether it's you know you at work you have a work computer that you have a lot of information on and whether it's even the desktop of the computer my experience it really is effective just to get yourself and your surroundings rather more organized and and structured so that it's very clear where your various activities or various uh, items are at so you're not spending half of your time trying to find what it is that you're looking for 
and that you also, when you go to do any activity, you have everything appropriately at hand and appropriately in the context that it needs to be in. And what you really want to do here is to create an environment that's conducive to organized, uncluttered, uncomplicated work. The more you unclutter and you also get rid of, just like our list of activities that you want to top and drop the bottom ones off, I want to get rid of a lot of things you have too. Things that are just in the way. If you have a lot of clutter around you, you have a lot of clutter in your workspace, or you have a lot of clutter on your desktop of your computer, it can just foster stress, it can foster disorganization, and unhappiness and stress. So in addition to the overall approach here of simplifying various aspects of your life, try to clear the clutter. And you'll find that when you clear the clutter in your physical environment, you'll also unclutter your mind. And when you have an uncluttered mind, you have a much more clear and simple approach to dealing with any life situations. And as a result, you end up simplifying your life. Number nine is the concept of single and multitasking. Determine what can be done in parallel and what just absolutely should not be done in parallel. I've talked a number of times during this series about abilities to multitask. I've told you about, you know, that I use text messaging while I'm in meetings at work to keep in contact with my children. You can use instant messaging in order to uh, keep in contact with other colleagues that the activity just requires a, a quick yes and no. And there are other times, and I've talked about those too, where you really need the tranquility, the aloneness, the areas of focus, so that you need to be able to not have any other interruptions in order to carry out certain other activities. So think about the list that you had. And we talked about this notion of situations where you feel really stressed or situations that are interruptions that carried out and, and interrupted you during another activity and your stress level as a result when we're looking at your observations of the activities you did during the week. And what you want to do here is look through certain activities that you were really annoyed by the interruption and that it, it affected the, the effectiveness with which you could actually carry out those activities. Now, in general, certain people can work with this fair bit of interruption, but there's other people that don't work with as much uh, interruption and require much, much more focus. So you want to determine what kind of a person you are like that. So everybody will be a little bit different in the degree to which they are willing to encounter interruptions during various activities. So there's, there's just a threshold difference, I think, between people. But over and above that, there are also certain activities that naturally are more conducive to uh, solitary focused work versus being able to do while being interrupted. So you want to determine 
which activities are able to be done without any interruption and what kinds of things are able to be done with interruption. And what that suggests is that you, when you're, for example, at work and you have the ability to be interrupted by instant messaging or telephone calls or whatever, there are certain activities that you're perfectly fine with doing that. In fact, it's, it's almost, it is actually ideal or optimal to even to be doing certain activities and be able to be interrupted so you don't have to actually take, take time to deal with those serially after the activity that you're just engaged in. So I'm a strong advocate for being able to carry out certain types of work while being interrupted because it doesn't require your entire brain to be engaged the entire time on the activity that your your primary activity involves. But there are other times when you really want to make sure that you have no interruption. So that's where you want to make sure that you have your cell phone on silent, that your instant messaging systems are set to do not disturb, that your office door, if you have one, has a do not disturb sign on it. And you also yourself control yourself and not checking email or anything else like that. You're just going to be focused. You're going to have blinders on. You want to think about the notion of racehorses that work best when they have blinders, quite literally blinders on, that prevent them from looking in different directions. You want to now have the equivalent for you, having no other distractions and being able to focus entirely on the task at hand and being able to expend all of your energies and your mental faculties and your passion and your attention on this one activity. And there's certain things that really do require that. And often when we do get interrupted, an activity that requires focus will end up taking an awful lot longer if you have interruptions because you constantly have to reset yourself again and realize where you were. And you likely have a lower level of quality on this particular activity if you do certain activities in parallel that really require undivided attention. So decide of the various types of activities and when you're about to start an activity as well, think about whether you should be doing this activity as an interrupted one, in which case set up the various elements in your environment that will make sure that you don't get interrupted or whether this particular activity can be done with interruption as well. So determine those in order to carry out those kinds of activities. Number 10 is to check your progress. Do that regularly and make adjustments. So I'm suggesting here that for the week ahead that you do do number one, which is the taking stock and determine what it is that you do during a week and all that. So. This particular week, if you choose to do that this week, will be all about a focused activity to understand the complexities in your life, the prioritization of the activities that you carry out, and all the analytical things that I've talked about on this particular episode. And you're going to make changes based on what you learn this week. What I'm suggesting here, too, is that you need to develop these things that we're talking about here today as ongoing activities 
that become habits. So on a regular basis, you stay attuned to how you're spending your effort and energy and make mid-course corrections on a daily or on a weekly basis. You want to be able to stay attuned to the level of complexity of your life in the ways that we've talked about here today and then make those changes on a regular basis. So this week will be one of taking stock and really doing this for the first time perhaps of really trying to simplify and unclutter your life. What I'm suggesting here is that you also do this on an ongoing basis to really take stock. How are things going? Do you need to drop some other activities? Do you need to delegate some other activities? Do you need to take some other activities back again because the delegation didn't work in a certain number of cases? You need to continue to take stock, but you have to also be sensitive to what you learn about yourself. And a lot of people want to keep everything to themselves, want to carry out all these activities themselves. When in actual fact, that's not the most effective way to do this. But they'll also f use as evidence for the fact that they do all need to be doing all these activities with the slightest evidence to suggest that, for example, delegating some activities hasn't worked. Let's say you delegated activities to a colleague at work and they didn't do as quite as good a job as you first time doing the activity when you're the one that's really expert at it. And I realize that, okay, it's going to take a while. You might want to help them a little more. Some of that may take some additional time at this particular point, but the long-term result will be more positive for you and for them. So guard against this very quick summary of various things not working and really stay the course. Try to optimize an environment where you don't need to be doing everything yourself. You don't need to be doing every activity in the same intense, highly focused way. And you need to be able to calibrate the various activities that you do in a way that is commensurate with their importance to your life, as well as the things that you've delegated to other people. So that was the top 10 list on the topic of simplifying life, and I'd suggest that you give that a go this week. I'd also like to, again, encourage you to get in contact with me by sending me email at lifehabits at gmail.com. You can also go to the iTunes entry, just search on Life Habits or search on my name, and you'll find the entry to this particular podcast in there. You can provide a rating. You can provide a comment there about the podcast series. You can also go to the show notes site, which has the old URL, which still works, which is lifehabits.podbean.com. Also has the new and even simpler URL of lifehabits.net, which will take you directly to that site. And you can provide individual ratings and individual comments on individual podcasts, as well as for the overall series as well. Now, the last time we also got a comment from Jin, who writes, Hi, Carl, just found this series recently and enjoyed it. I was going to ask for the top 10 list, but I'm glad you have added them to the audio file metadata. It would be nice to add the quotes 
you start off each podcast with as well to that list. And I will do that, Jen. I'll add that to this particular one as well. He also says, on this creativity topic, he talked about the last podcast series, I found a recent Harvard Business Review article on how the Pixar company fosters collective agreement. Very interesting. And I've put uh, the link to that article in the uh, show notes site as well. And I just made a comment there to Jin that I'd also listen to a podcast series on that topic too. So you can also check that out if you're interested in the fostering creativity topic that we talked about last time further. So thanks very much for that comment, Jin. I'd like to suggest all of you let's keep in touch. Let me know what you think. Let me know what's worked, what hasn't, what ideas you have for additional topics for this series or anything else that comes to your mind. So thanks again for your support of this podcast series and your interest in it. And we'll talk to you all next time. Bye for now.